1: Back to the call-up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm your host Arm Leighton, and on today's episode, we have an interview with Orioles prospect Kobe Mayo, a guy we've talked about plenty on this podcast. A bat that I think is one of the best in the minor leagues, point blank period, especially for his age at his level. And you can kind of see through our conversation why he has been able to perform to such a high level at the double A level as a twenty-one year old. I mean the numbers are absolutely ridiculous. I'll get into that in a moment. He's from South Florida, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, which has just been an absolute pipeline of a high school for big league talent. I mean we're talking about Jesus Wizardo We're talking about Anthony Rizzo. Colton Welker and then Mayo as well as Roman Anthony in the Red Sox organization who's really rising quickly and there's several other players that are making their way through college ball and probably in the minor leagues as well from that high school so absolute pipeline for talent no surprise that Mayo kind of hit the ground running relative to most high school prospects and we talk about that because he was drafted in 2020 which You know, not the most opportune time to get drafted, especially as a high schooler who was just looking to get reps in, not able to get that many reps in. Obviously, makes up for lost time in 2021, where still at 19 years old puts up ridiculous numbers at the complex, and then was able to get up to low A, where he played 27 games at that level and was phenomenal there as well. Hit 311, 416, 547 back in 2021. Then last year, I think there was a lot of hype, a lot of excitement around Mayo, and understandably so. The guy tore up the complex as a teenager and then really showed out in those 27 games at the low A level. He was really solid last year, but he talked about something that, I don't know if it got enough I guess, coverage, but that's usually what happens. We don't know exactly what's going on with minor leaguers. He talks about how he was a little banged up last year, dealing with a bit of a back issue, and still was able to hold his own with some really aggressive assignments. 20 years old, starting the year at high A, put up good numbers there. They bump him up to double A, and he's fighting these back issues while holding his own in double A. He finishes the year with an above-average slash line, hit 19 home runs, and put up a 110 WRC plus while being much younger than his competition. But as you'll see in our conversation, that's not nearly enough for Kobe Mayo and he wasn't thrilled with the 26% strikeout rate. He wasn't thrilled with the 9% walk rate. We talk about some of the adjustments he's made with his approach, some tweaks with the swing and just some really interesting tidbits that he added about just how much he's been able to learn in this extremely talented Baltimore Orioles organization, a little bit on making that decision to, to forego his commitment to the University of Florida as a fourth round pick of course he got a nice signing bonus an overslot bonus which is what you got to do to be able to sign talented high schoolers away from really good college commitments here and it seems like the decision has worked out really well for mayo as a guy that it seems like he could make his big league debut before his 23rd birthday which is really impressive when you lose that first year of development as well Mayo entered the season as the 82nd ranked prospect in baseball for us. And I can promise you in our midseason update, he is going to be way, way up there, Uh, which again, we, we put him in the top 100 despite the slightly underwhelming year for his standards, I think, which was because of the batted ball data, because of the high end makeup, which you'll see in this conversation. And also just the big-time offensive upside you can dream on with the physical projection. This is a big dude at 6'5", 230 pounds and he looks like he could still continue to get stronger he's still tapping into that power which we talk about as well in the episode but when you're the 82nd ranked prospect going into the season and then you put together a 75 game stretch where you hit 315, 431 623, that's a 182 WRC plus at the AA level as a 21 year old while cutting the strikeout rate by a couple points to 24% and upping the walk rate to 15% I mean what is there not to like about Cody? Mayo. To me, he should be a consensus top 100 prospect. I think he will be by the end of the year, and I think he could very easily be a consensus top 60 or so prospect. He'll be inside of our top 50. I can guarantee you that he's a really awesome dude to talk to. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with him and come away. I say this often with the guys that you know really impressed with the way they're able to kind of unpack their career so far, talk about what they're working on, and just really peel back the curtain. It shows you a lot about the maturity of a young professional player here, and how much he takes advantage of the talent around him and the really strong organization around him where you can't doubt what the Orioles are doing from a scouting a development and just I think from top to bottom basically every perspective you cannot doubt what they are doing and it's nice to see somebody like Kobe Mayo at 21 years old already really leaning on that and using the really talented coaches around him to keep getting better and better at the plate and as you can see it's working also it helps when you're as talented as he is without further delay here is the interview with Orioles prospect Kobe Mayo and here's Orioles prospect Kobe Mayo who man you're enjoying one of the best seasons in the minors right now and you keep getting better as the years going on so I really appreciate you taking time out of the hot streak here to come on the call up and uh, come chop it up with us
2: yeah absolutely I'm happy to to get on here and you know chat a little bit so I mean you're a guy that anyone that's listened
1: to this podcast uh they know about you. We've been talking about you and, you know, pretty much since you were drafted and got off to the great start and just continue to build off of that. But there's kind of just been something different about this year, right? I think part of it is, you know, you're doing it in the upper levels and you're you're as close as you've ever been, but also the numbers are as good as they've ever been. And there's something that makes it easy to buy what you're selling when you're putting it all together at the highest level that you've played at. Very broad question, very open-ended. We'll get more into the specifics, but I, I, what's kind of been going right for you so far this year, uh, maybe just from a mental standpoint, and then we'll get into the swings and everything, but just what are you feeling so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, really honing in on the strike zone, not, you know, not going to chase pitches, uh, trying my best to stay in, stay in the zone. And um, I think when you shorten up that zone a little bit and you're not necessarily being too picky, but um, you're trying to swing at pitches that you can do damage on. And if not, you know, you're taking walks and that's been a good thing for me this year. Um, I've drawn quite a bit of walks and, um, you know, when I'm swinging at the right pitches, I'm doing damage to those pitches. So um, I think it's just, you know, how my routine has kind of evolved a little bit in the cages and on the field. And then, you know, going from, um, you know, trying to swing it too much to, you know, trying to narrow down the strike zone a little bit, swing at the right pitches and, you know, drawing some walks.
1: Uh, what was that you know, feeling maybe coming from, from trying to swing it too much? I, I always love to ask guys about this because I, I do notice that sometimes the guys that always have had that really good feel to hit tend to have a little bit of that higher chase rate because you could almost feel like you can get to anything, but then you get to double A and guys have some pretty diabolical stuff and even the best hitters can't get to everything. Uh, what was that where that maybe swing happy approach maybe came in the early days because you're just so used to being able to get your back to everything?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think my whole life I've always tried to, um, you know, not necessarily swing at the right pitches, but, you know, I feel like I could do damage on a lot of pitches. So um, I wasn't necessarily worried about walking um, when I was younger, but, you know, last year in Double A when I got here, um, you know, guys were really good. They didn't care if, you know, you got O2 and they threw you four straight sliders in the dirt. Like they take their chances on that and throw you a fastball over the plate. So I think it's just, you know, learning a little bit and you you kind of understand the game a little bit more the more you uh, play at a level. And um, I think I'm just getting comfortable right now um, at this level. And, um, you know, you kind of pick up some tendencies in some of the pitchers and what they want to do and um, doing your homework on reports and just a lot of different things. And, you know, it's it's worked out for me this year.
1: So you got the 34 game taste last year in double A, but it was 68 games that you played in high A where you put together a really nice slash line, 821 OPS. You get up to double A where, I mean, I feel like to get there at a, as a 20 year old, it's really just an opportunity to, to learn and be a sponge. Like you mentioned, And you still put together a pretty solid stat line, especially for one of the younger guys at that level. What did you gather in terms of like yourself? You talk about more patient, taking your walks, but maybe the way that pitchers attack you, like what was the biggest difference? If you could circle one thing, another guy, one of your former teammates maybe is getting the bump up to double A and ask you for a word of advice. What would be the biggest takeaway that you could share from high A to double A?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, high A to double A is, you know, obviously you're getting the cream of the crop from high A. You know, you're getting the best guys that are in high A and guys that are ready to go play in triple A. So, um, you know, like I said, I mean, guys aren't, they're, they're not, they're not scared of 32 breakers, two breakers. And you yeah. got to really like, you can't, it's, it's hard to just guess right now. You got to, you know, be a complete hitter and go up there with a good mindset, stick to your plan. Um you know, when you when you're making a plan, going up to the, you know, up to the box, you kind of have to stick to that. And because um, sometimes, you know, you get in your head and you start thinking like, oh, maybe I should change it. But, you know, you make a plan, stick to it. Um, You know, these guys are really good. I mean, these double arms are potentially going to go up to triple A and, you know, be the guys that are going up to the major league. So, you know, it's it's tough. <clears throat> you know, last year was, you know, a good learning experience. You, you took a lot from last year and. um you know, coming into this year, I knew what to expect from double A and, you know, it's, you know, guys are good. They're not scared to throw you anything, you know, in high A, you might begin to 2-0 group fastball. But, you know, you don't see that much, you know, much in double A right now.
1: And you're seeing more and more arms specifically get the bump up from double A all the way to the show now. I mean, it's it just become almost like double A AA and triple A is almost this one gigantic league, uh, depending yeah. on which leagues you look at. And, and yours is no exception. A lot of talent through and through there. Kind of going back to to 2020, where it all began professionally, you were committed to the University of Florida. I'm sure that was something that you strongly considered. I'm I'm eager to hear about that. But even, even just a step ahead of that, you're drafted in the fourth round in, in 2020. Um, you know, it, it took a certain number, as it is for any high school guy, to forego college because that's, that's how it goes. And uh, ultimately, the Orioles meet that and you get to join this organization. Kind of like they were heading in this direction. But it wasn't like this in 2020, in terms of not even talking about the big league success, just the top to bottom talent that yep. that this organization has been been able to cultivate. In 2020, I'm sure you had several different teams calling you. I'm sure you had a lot of different opportunities because a lot of different evaluators can see what what they're seeing now from you. But what was it about the Orioles, maybe that that got you a little bit more sold on on starting your professional career right out of high school? And did you have any idea that this this organization was heading this way this quick now that we're only a few years later.
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so yeah, it was a weird time. Uh I I think when when I started hearing the Orioles name a little bit before the draft, you know, it was a good opportunity. Um, you know, they they had a really strong draft the year before. You know, we knew obviously that Adley and Gunner were, you know, huge, huge guys in the draft, and they drafted some really like good pieces from the West Coast with Stowers and you know joey ortiz just a lot of it a lot of the you know they just they do a really good job drafting and elias elias really knows you know he can see he can see you know talent him and sig so you know it was awesome to to kind of step into this organization and you know there wasn't there wasn't a ton of talent like there is right now at the higher levels um it was kind of like starting from the bottom uh, a lot of the talent was in like low a and the high A levels um but yeah, it, it was a crazy opportunity and I was really excited to go after it. I knew, you know, I would move up as quick as I I wanted to just, you know, I had to, I had to perform and I had to buy into the system. And I think that's what guys are doing right now. They're buying in. And, uh, I mean, you can see it's paying off. They've called up all these guys the last year and everyone's having success and it's awesome to see. And, you know, just all the top hundreds and just, just everything that this organization is doing right now. I mean, you couldn't have done a a rebuild any better than they've done it. So yeah, it's been, it's been cool to be a part of.
1: It's been really cool. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really been the drafting and and you've been a big part of that. And uh, how difficult was the decision in in 2020? Because, and I'm, I'm interested to ask you about your first year of, of development being a year where the minor league seasons canceled. But before we get to that, how, how, set? Were you on potentially going to college? Were you already pretty eager to get your pro career going? You know, I know there's a lot of guys are in different, a lot of different spots when it comes to this decision.
2: Yeah, I would say I was, I was split right in half. I mean, if I got what I was looking for, I was, you know, ready to go play in pro ball. And if I didn't, I was set on going to win a national championship. Um, I mean, it was, it was honestly like, you know, whatever you know, wherever it takes me, it takes me because I knew that, either way would be a successful outcome in the future. Um, I was, you know, like you said, I was dead set on going to college. Um, if, if, you know, what we were looking for wasn't there and, you know, I got what I was looking for and, you know, I, I don't, I think it all works out for a reason and I'm really happy to where I'm at. Um, you know, watching, watching the college season a little bit, you're always like, you know, thinking though, I'll well, be in Omaha this year. i would be playing in the College World Series right now, but um, I think I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, would say, I wouldn't change anything going right now. You, you've you got a 1000 OPS as a 21 year old in A, So it works. But I, it's funny. I, I do tend to think about the same thing sometimes when somebody like you gets drafted and hits the ground running out of high school the way that you did. And, you know, you, you play 34 games or 27 games, excuse me, in low A. Where you produce a 963 OPS, he hit 311. Like, I, I did. You ever wonder, like, what would I be doing in college right now if I was playing in the in the SEC? And that's not to take away from the SEC, but I mean, going straight yeah. from high school to low A is 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 a different beast.
2: Yeah, I I always think about that, and you know, guys talk about it, and you know, it's it's always one of those things to where you never really know. You'll never um, know. Yeah, you'll never know how how it'll be. But um, it's fun to think about it and talk about it with some of the guys and. You know, we just got Judd Fabian last year in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's up in A right now with us. And it's just been cool to kind of like pick his brain a little bit and kind of talk to him how, how Florida was. And um, so you have one kid who bypassed the drafts and went to college and me who, you know, bypassed college and, you know, took took the pro ball route yeah. uh, out of high school. So, you know, it's always cool to think about that. Um, you know, you always play these situations in your head and yeah. what you think would have happened. But, you know, it's – you'll never know. Yeah.
1: So one of the biggest things that's that stands out to me with with what you do at the plate and, and you talk about the approach and, uh, you know, how that's continued to get better. And and as you just kind of learn yourself more as a hitter, but it's how simple your moves are in the box. And, and I know you're a big guy. You're 6'5". You're I don't trust any of the listing weights, by the way. We always joke about that. Like a lot of them are like still from guys that like were at 17 in the DSL. It says they're 150 pounds and I'm watching them hit balls 450 feet. But you're a big dude. You're 6'5", 200 plus pounds. You got power. But it's always easier said than done to be like, oh, just make the move simple in the box and and leverage your, your long levers and your strength. But that's exactly what you do. And, and it seems yeah. like every time I check in and I watch video, it's just more simple and more comfortable and more repeatable. But you've always kind of been that way, right? What's been the like development of your swing as you've gone? And you know how different is it from when you first started in pro ball? And maybe what are some of the small changes that have kind of helped you just Find that consistency on another level.
2: Yeah. uh, When I got into pro ball, it was rough, man. Like I didn't, I was out no high school season for, you know, three, four months. And, you know, we hit the ground in in Instructs in October of 2020. And, you know, we were there for three weeks. And, you know, then I had another three, four-month break before, five-month break before spring training because we didn't start until April that year. Um, So I was completely uncomfortable with what I was doing. Um, I didn't really have a set stance in the box. I didn't really know what, uh, watched a lot of video after I got hurt in 2021. Um, and, you know, we were just watching video and seeing kind of what worked for me in high school a little bit, you know, played around with a stance. And, you know, once I started playing again in the FCL, just kind of, you know, got comfortable with, uh, with a stance and kind of just like set the foundation for going forward. And I would say just this year in general, uh, you look back into spring training and, I was super super wide um Mm -hmm. you know wide base and and i think over the course of the year i've narrowed up a lot um that's helped me you know drive balls to the right side of the field um stay more like in my legs um just everything's been a lot more simple uh right now and keeping my weight on my front front half really quiet not trying to have a big heavy move on my front side and um, you know, when you're doing that, you are seeing the ball a lot better and um, you're able to just have a more clean of a swing, really. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. This is why I love
1: the the StreamYard, uh, you know, live breakdown that we do as well. And people that listen to this always will we'll go over to our YouTube and check that out. But I, something that I always talk about on the podcast, and, and maybe I take it for granted. So I'm glad that I can, you know, have somebody like you to to, to break it down a little bit more in a firsthand, you know, situation here is, a lot of times you see big guys, young hitters that aren't tapping into the power that people are expecting and, you know, maybe a higher ground ball rate. And, and I often emphasize the lower half that that forward move being a bit too early. You can get a little pushy, all of those things. Can you talk about maybe what your cue is in the box? To You, you mentioned kind of not not having the weight as much transferring forward as early or whatever your cue may be, the back yeah. hip holding that backside. Like, is that something that's always like your effort in the box and that you feel like allows you to tap into the power and like, maybe what are some of those cues?
2: I think, I think for me, honestly, um, over the last three years with the Orioles, I came in, I think with a little bit more of a, a ground ball rate, uh, you know, wasn't hitting the ball at a consistent launch angle, like at a effective one for me and what I was trying to do. Um, so we kind of just manipulated the swing a little bit, started doing some work with, you know, different bats, different tools, and um so we kind of developed my swing at a you know to be more of like a um line drive to fly ball swing um so yeah i think i think for me in the box all i'm trying to think is staying on time with the fastball um i'm not thinking of anything mechanically it's more just being on time with the fastball and um right now it's just i I try not to you try not to think too much when you're going good you kind of just want to think less um but I think be on time with a fastball. And like you said, sometimes when you're, when you're a little bit too out in front, you're either popping up or grinding out. Um, but I think being on time is the biggest, the biggest key for me right now with um, keeping the ball in the air.
1: Yeah. And then in the cage, is there specific cues that you look for to, to kind of just get that muscle memory so you don't have to think about it when you're in the box?
2: Yeah. I think just using, staying right center, my first few rounds um, sound, it sounds crazy, but staying right center, my first few rounds really sets up my path to like, go to all sides of the field, um, for that day. And, um, you know, just, we always work on in the cage with, you know, line drives back at the net, you know, just consistent launch angles. Um, like you said that, that move, that forward move, just not being too heavy, not getting too far on my backside when I'm loading, I'm trying to stay in the hip a little bit and get some, uh, energy into the ground. So I'm not too, uh, too quick with that move going forward absolutely
1: and, and the other thing that's really stood out to me with with what you've been able to do this year is your ability to to kind of hit whatever is is thrown at you i mean you look at your numbers against breaking balls you've got an 885 ops against sliders and curveballs you look at four seamers you've demolished those to 1200 ops and uh you know everybody has relatively average numbers against change ups. so like but specifically with breaking balls and fastballs you mentioned focusing on being on time for the fastball and yeah. you've done that you destroy them and you rarely miss them but you're also adjusting to the breaking ball what allows you to do both
2: yeah i would say you know not i think last year a little bit i would always think pull the fastball pull fastball and then i'd get a slider and i'd be out in front swing and miss or ground mm-hmm. it out um I think this year, you know, my approach is just staying, you know, middle of the field, right center with the fastball. Um, Not necessarily trying to manipulate the swing, just how my timing is. Um, And then if I see spin, just turn on it and, you know, uh, and go. I mean, last week versus uh, the Yankees double A team, they threw a lot of cutter sliders and they threw some hard fastballs. I mean, a lot of those guys were 96, 97 and um you got to stay middle of the field with them and they're going to throw you a good amount of of off-speed stuff so you see that off speed and you know it's the same swing you're just you're just catching it a little bit further out in front and you're going to pull it to left field um so that's what's been a a big cue for me and not trying to be so yank yankee with the uh with the fastball and staying on those sliders to left
1: that totally makes sense and and it's like I feel like there's this balance of, and and you've obviously found this balance so far this year and the way you're rolling, but you want to be able to be ready for both, but not be caught in between. And and you feel like that's exactly what allows you to kind of find that balance of the two.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I I mean, a hundred percent. I think if you're, I think if you're in between pitches and you're you're thinking too much in your head about it, you're never going to be on time for anything. But if you're, if you're going up to the box with a good plan, you're getting your, you're getting your timing on deck, um, and you're looking for a fastball to do damage middle of the field you know and they hang a slider you're going to be all over the slider uh and what something else something else that's been working for me is um um what was it uh just being in being in like a swing mode almost when guys are in the guys are in the zone a lot uh kind of just being swing mode like you know, they're going to throw you strikes, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these guys, when they're 60, 65%, you know, in zone with their off speed pitches, they're most likely going to throw you some strikes. So, you know, sometimes those sweepers can look really unhittable and start behind you. But if you're in that swing mode, you're going to be, you're going to be ready for those pitches. And I think that's been a big key for me not being too passive, but also um, being aggressive enough to be swinging at those, you know, those big swoopy sliders early in the count.
1: Totally makes sense because th- those are the strikes that guys try to steal sometimes, and and 100%. you don't want to let them steal those. So that that totally makes sense, and I love that question on on the power output as well. I mean, again, we we always know the power's been there, but from a batted ball perspective, and also part of it is, and this is where we forget sometimes. Like you last year, you were twenty. This year, you're twenty-one. Like you're continuing to just get stronger naturally. Yeah. But, a four yeah. mile per hour jump in your ninetieth percentile exit velocity is, is, you know that that's hard to do. Even if even if you're a young guy who's who's getting older and just just getting more physical, you mentioned some of the things that you did with like weighted bats and and different things to to use the ground and tap into more power. But even so, I feel like that's still a big jump. What do you feel like allowed that big jump? Was it a kind of a, a few different things? Or, and you know, were you even aware of how much the the exit velocities have jumped this season overall?
2: Yeah. To be honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't super aware of it. I mean, I know it's been more consistent this year. Um, You know, it's like, I feel like every other game, you know, getting the new PR with, with exit a lot of that comes in the off season, you know, putting in in time in the weight room every day. And um, but also like being in the weight room, it's not just about strength. It's about, you know, your hip mobility, your, your hamstrings about everything, everything else getting stronger. And, You know the quicker you can rotate your hips and you know get your your back to the zone and just there's a lot of different factors and you know like you said getting bigger and stronger um you know i I feel healthy this year you know last year i my back was a little you know in july when i got hurt you know it's, it's tough coming back from that especially like late in the year um but i feel healthy and strong this year and you know making sure that i'm you know ready to ready to go play and you know all parts of my body, my core, my hips, everything. So I think just keeping your body in shape and, and c- taking care of your body can really help you, you know, in the long run of the season.
1: We're going to wrap up with some defensive stuff. I always save that for last for guys like you who mash and, you know, I want to spend 90% of the time talking hitting, but can you talk, talk a little bit about the, the back situation? Because, you know, I, I feel like, especially in the, in the prospect world, there's so little known. I mean, I get people always asking me like, where can I get these numbers? Where can I get this information on the data set? But how about just the fact of what's going on in your guys' life? You hear, Oh, he might be injured this or that, but you're not getting the beat reporter coverage all the time of like when the guy hits the IL in the big league. So no one knows if you're playing through something or something's bothering you. And all they have is the stat lines to reference. Um, it was, I think labeled as back spasms. Obviously it was something that bothers you for longer than that. Um, how much was that like affecting your comfort to maybe let loose? And, you know, how long did that linger for you? Because it's, it's one of those things where I know you're not, you're not one to make an excuse. You weren't making an excuse, but how about just looking at the difference in numbers? It it pretty much just makes it for you. Didn't feel great last year all the time. 782 OPS feel great this year, 1054 OPS with all of those games being at a higher level. It, It just takes care of itself. So what were you feeling last year and, and, and how was that kind of affecting you a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think it was just um, my it, it had something to do with just my first full season and, you know, me playing every day and not really ever going through that every single day. Um, a lot of swings, you know, and, and, you know, as you're as you go through this process when you're young, you kind of learn how your body reacts to certain things and what you need. In what you need for this long season and how you need to recover and what you need to do before you start swinging. And, you know, so, you know, I, it was right, it was right at a point where I, I was about to get moved up to the next level and it was a little bothering me and, you know, it wasn't crazy and, you know, got called up. And I think I was just trying to do everything so quick and move so fast and, you know, trying to, not trying to impress, but just trying to do a little bit too much. And, you know, like you said, just had a little back spasm, a little tweak and, um, rather be safe than sorry and sat out a little bit. And, you know, I feel fine after, I mean, I, there's no excuses after that, but you know, I'm happy this year that I feel good and I have a good routine every day. And, um, you know, taking care of your body is the number one, most important thing you can do, uh, to stay healthy for a season.
1: I think people really underestimate. I was talking about this with, with, with friend of the show and a buddy of mine, Matt Mervis, like he, he was a college guy even. So he, he built his workload up a little bit more and went on the Cape and everything like that, but still that first full pro season where he went the full year and then went to the Arizona fall league last year. He's like, dude, I, I I'd get a day off and wouldn't feel refreshed at this point. Like it's just yeah. a different beast. And I don't think people realize there's no other context where you're playing a hundred plus games like that. It's, it's yeah. just, it's just ridiculous. Um, and you really gotta, gotta get your body ready for that. And it, I guess the only way to do it is by playing the games, right?
2: Yeah. hundred percent. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, the only way to know how to, get through it is you just, you just got to play the games you gotta you gotta figure out you know what you need and um it, it sometimes can suck because you don't really know what you need um before the season but you'll learn and you know you have a long if you have a long playing career you know you know what you're gonna have to do to to get through those seasons
1: 100%. and i mean you're doing it real well right now like i said in the beginning i mean you, you've put up the numbers all year but over your last 20 games you're you're hitting over 400 so uh, it seems like you're, you're still rolling here um on the defensive side to wrap up here before we we break down some ABs and and if you're watching this on YouTube, go check out the other the other video it's already up. If you're listening on audio, go to our YouTube to go check out Kobe kind of breaking down some of his approach and his swing and some of the things that we talked about in a uh, live video setting here. But you mostly play third base. You played a little bit of first base, you know, you obviously have worked really hard on on your body as you mentioned and and move well for a guy of your size. How do you feel like, or where do you feel like you're at defensively, and uh, you know what are some of your focuses as you work on on the defense and continue to to develop at the hot corner?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, me and me and our um, defensive uh, minor league coordinator uh, Tim DeJean, we work. I mean, he's one of the hardest pushing coaches, and you know he wants the best out of his players. And we we work every day, um, us and the team. We work extremely hard. I don't think anyone does more defensive work than we do as a team um I feel like I'm at a great spot right now and I'm learning every day and um you know defense is something that I want to take you know the most pride in because I know that's what I'm going to have to you know do to you know obviously if you can hit you're going to play but you know you want to be a long time third baseman and a long time big leaguer you want to you know be able to do both at a high level um and I feel like I've gotten you know a lot better from last year and a lot better from 2021 so it's just it's just building off of that, you know. Defense is another thing. It's about confidence and, yeah. you know, playing the plays and you know making some of the routine plays. Just get that confidence up a little bit, and um, you know, working with him, it's been awesome. And uh, you know, I I try to take a lot of pride in in defense, and I I work extremely hard um, at it every day. Fundamentally, you
1: know, what, what was the maybe one or two aspects that y- y- you worked on the most? I mean, you look at what, you know, anybody that reads a scouting report on on a player or whatever, the, the buzzwords when it comes to defense is always going to be hands, footwork, arm, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, was there a specific area where where you really wanted to focus that you felt like would would really help take you to the next level defensively?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is, first of all, is working one handed. Um you know, not playing two handed because you got a lot more, you know, range working one handed. And um, and another thing is the footwork. I mean, I know it's people always say, like, you, you got to have good feet, but getting your feet in the right spots. And, um, you know, you know, when you got a drop step or you got to you know come through a ball or, you know, just moving your feet and getting your feet in the right position is kind of the biggest thing. I mean, even when you're going to throw like you want to have, you know, your feet in the right spots and everything will kind of take care of itself afterwards. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of it's just one-handed work and and having my feet in the right spot when I'm going to field a ground ball
1: and, and being able to decide where to to put those feet quickly yeah. off the bat when it's coming at yeah. you real quick is is tough and that's another one just, just reps right so uh and, and and I'm definitely seeing it from what I've watched. I mean, you you look very comfortable out there and it's it's been fun to watch. But I think most people tune in to to watch you hit bombs. I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, you talked about <laughs> the PR one thirteen the other day, home run by the way.
2: 113.4 yeah, was it? Point, yeah 113.4 uh and then i followed it on my next to that with a uh, 112.4 so yeah
1: that that'll play <laughs> that those are prs i would assume right yeah it, i think 111 was the max last year like but again the 90th percentile the thing that stands out is how more how much more frequently you're getting into it too which is really exciting so yeah. um we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more on, on the stream yard last question for you goals for the rest of the year you know I would say goal number one is keep doing whatever the hell you're doing right now. But, you yeah. know, what else, what else is a goal for you? You know, personally, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, exactly like finish in triple A or whatever, just, it could yeah. be something mentally like what, what is a goal for you kind of finishing out this season?
2: Honestly, the biggest goal I have is staying healthy, staying on the field. Um, you know, it's not something that's, you know, necessarily a goal, but I think if I want to have success in my career, I got to be able to play a full season and, and keeping my body, um you know feeling good and and taking care of my body um you know obviously I want to keep the you know the walk rate up the strikeout rate down a little bit more um you know just little things man you know you look at numbers and you see you see like batted balls in play and it's like you're hitting like 380 when you hit balls in play or four whatever it is and it's just yeah. like all right maybe I can put more balls in play I'll get more hits uh but uh no um you know just just keep doing what I'm doing now. I mean, keeping my routines the same, um, you know, keep working hard in the cage and on the field, um, staying healthy. I don't want to, I hate, I hate talking about like long-term goals, like how many home runs I want to finish with, you know, but, but uh, you know, just keep doing what I'm doing. And um, I think everything will take care of itself.
1: hundred percent. Well, by the way, on the strikeout front, last 21 games sub 20% walk rate staying at 14%. So you're doing it brother. Uh, It's been awesome to watch you do what you're doing uh, and, and, really excited to see you finish this year strong and hopefully uh maybe maybe we'll see you in in norfolk by the end of the year i think i think you've earned it i know that's another one of those things that's out of your control but um you know you have been awesome to watch this year man i really appreciate the time and pumped to see you keep rolling
2: yeah absolutely this is this is awesome appreciate it